0: my king i have the best news if that rabbit was a prosecco i'd agree this isn't just a rabbit pregnant jesus we're going to be parents that
1: rabbit knows if you're uh... pregnant okay okay
0: (laughs) you're not smiling i'm sorry it's just you see I'm okay rabbit chill
1: Uh, uh, where do you think you're going? It may suck all the moisture from
0: my tongue, but damned if I'm not going to toast this shit to our violently attractive progeny.
1: <laughs> Hi, welcome everyone to episode 205 of Physical Kids Weekly. It's called Cheat Day. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this week we're joined by fellow free trader Theo Fraction. Welcome, Theo. Um, so this episode had a lot going on there were four interconnected but like distinct plots one where Quentin has left the magical world behind he's struggling to come to terms with Alice's death he runs into Emily Greenstreet um, who we saw in the first season Um, in another one Julia finds out she's pregnant um, and she and Katie are trying to figure out how to banish Renard in the third one, a Foo Fighter makes an attempt on Elliot's life, and Elliot learns he's going to be a father. And um, in the last one, Penny goes back to break Bill South to find Mayakoski and see if he can help him fix his hands. So yeah, a lot going on. Let's start out with just the big initial impressions. So Theo, let's start with you. What did you think of this episode?
0: It was really sad. Like, that was just my overall impression, is that it was so sad And I just want my children to be happy. Why can't they be happy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Were there any sort of particular things that stood out to you?
0: I think Quentin's storyline in this episode was really, really strong. Mm. Um, His storylines usually are, but like this particular episode, it was just, I was really feeling him. And I guess... Yeah, Julia's storyline was like too heavy for me. Like I I literally started dissociating watching every one of her scenes cuz I just couldn't handle it. So it was it was an interesting episode. <laughs> overall, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Danny, how about you? What did you think? Julia's storyline feels like it might be very triggering for some people. Um like Definitely. Prob- I feel like they probably should have had some sort of trigger warning before the episode, kind of in the way that they do when there's like suicide mentions.
1: Well, and they had that at the end of the, at the end of season one, they didn't do it beforehand, but afterward they had all the, um, the rain, um, and rape prevention lines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They did, but I feel like they kind of should have brought it up again in this episode just because it was really heavy. Uh, and I also like, Theo, that you said that it's a really depressing and heavy episode because... I love the line where Julia says, why does it keep getting worse and worse? Like, Mm. I, I, I love that line because it just feels so, so true to like life, like in, especially if you're suffering from PTSD or even depression, it's just like, why does it just keep getting worse?
1: Yeah, I feel that. I had, I had a lot of mixed feelings about this episode. I I agree. I think it was pretty heavy. I also just, four storylines is a lot for me. Yeah, and the thing is, right? Like, so two of them are really heavy. I didn't even pay attention to to I think really much of
2: Penny's or yeah. or Elliot's the first time I watched it because there was just so
1: much going on. Yeah, and and there's such a big difference. Yeah, I, I think those two storylines were both on the lighter side. I guess Penny's wasn't light per se, but it just wasn't. It wasn't dark and heavy, right? Like, yeah the way that Julia's storyline was or the way um, that Quentin's storyline was. And it just felt so weird to to be interleaving those the way they were. Like, in the episode where Alice died, they had a lighter storyline and a darker storyline, but they were sequential. It felt really different to go back and forth between these, like, happy hyper storylines and these really well, dark ones.
2: I'm sure that they kind of more, like, put... Mayakovsky in the episode again just so they were like, oh, so if Emily was seeing him, people wouldn't be confused as to who that was, just because you know, not all viewers (laughs) are that smart
1: (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's fair so, yeah, I mean were there any other things you wanted to say, just like big impressions? Mine is just I would like to move
2: on and forget about this episode (laughs) (laughs) That's a
0: a good one (laughs) Yeah,
1: I kind of feel that okay so let's let's dive in let's get a little bit more into each of those different storylines um let's start with quentin's story um so first of all yeah what were your what did you think of quentin's storyline here
2: i think quentin's is probably my favorite storyline um you finally see him really like becoming an adult um you could feel it and his was the most necessary i mean it's pretty much what happened in the book for the most part minus like the whole him actually sleeping with Emily. Yeah. Um and I'm sure that they kind of used that as their tool to to bring back in um Olivia, which you know no one will mind that. But yeah. and it and it almost made it more sad than it was for Quentin in the books
1: just because bringing Olivia back, bringing Alice back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it made it more viscerally sad for sure.
2: But I'm a little bit concerned because I feel like it's like as much as I want Olivia back on the show, like I feel like it's too early to bring her back
1: completely. I I agree and I, I hope that <laughs> I hope that's not what they're doing. I think we talked about this with Olivia, right? Like that we need the time to to really process him. that death before it comes back, before it. What I have a
2: ha, what I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to tease it and then he's going to realize that he's not a strong enough magician to do it.
1: Yeah, I think that would make sense especially given um Some of the stuff that got set up in the Penny Mayakoski storyline, too. So, you mentioned that in the books, um, and you were totally right about this. I didn't think you were, but you were totally right about this. That Emily and Quentin don't sleep together. So, what did you think about that?
2: I like what he says in the book. And he ends up basically saying it to her face about how, like, sad she really is. And, um... Yeah. I, I don't mind that they added in the sex, like, because... Quentin in the books is basically trying to hook up with everyone after Alice is, like passes away.
1: Yeah. So why don't, why don't I play that clip really quickly and then we can talk a little bit more about it. Um, hey, I've got to get home. Um, I had a good time. We don't have to go. We can do it again. He said yesterday was cheat day. You can't, you can't cheat every day.
0: I won't tell.
1: No, I don't want to.
0: So what, you're done with me? I, w- I was helping you.
1: That's not what I said.
0: Well, tell me then, what are what are you saying? Last night was...
1: It felt really good, and it was... Probably exactly what I needed, but I... It's also really weird and sad, and I feel awful. I feel worse than before.
0: Apologies for my terrible life.
2: I just don't want to use magic like that. I'm sorry for everything you lost.
1: So that's the line, right, that you're thinking of, right? The I'm sorry for everything you lost, or... Yeah, um,
2: I I love that scene. Um, it also just reminds me of like millennial relationships and hmm. and like how sad they can be, uh, especially if someone decides to just kind of enter into like a purely sexual relationship and one person is over it and the other person is still just like no, no, like, like, just stay one last time. Like, it reminds me of, like, one of those sad speeches that doesn't end up very well for everybody.
1: Yeah, I feel like there, like, there was a lot that went unsaid when they first, when they were hooking up and getting together, right? Like, she really was using Quentin to um, do her own healing. And, yes, I think she offered him something in return as well, but it's it's not clear to me that it was good for him the same way what did you think Theo
0: um I was just really proud of Quentin during his speech (laughs) at the end when he was like I don't want to use magic that way because it's like he it's really showing his character growth like he doesn't want to rely on magic to solve all his problems
1: you know yeah and that's a big theme right that he does use that
0: Yeah. yeah
2: There's an actual, like, part in the book where he, like, in the book he talks to her about magic, and she blames everything on magic, and he gets mad because he's like, no, like, Alice made her own choice. She didn't die because of magic.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because, they you know, they sort of have a little bit of that scene in the show when they're out to lunch, but Quentin's mm-hmm. agreeing with her in the show. It It's only later in the episode that he sort of comes to that conclusion.
2: yeah. I think it's because, like, they kind of glazed through it in the book. Like, they'd spent some time together, whereas in,
1: like, the show, you actually get to see it.
0: Theo, you were going to say something. Yes, I don't know if you guys saw, but I was rewatching the episode earlier um, on my computer instead of my phone so I could see it better. And the email that Quentin was writing um, before Emily storms in and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was being a bitch. And then they get drunk and sleep together and drunk. He was writing an email to Alice's parents about how she was dead and how sorry he was. And I was, like, reading through it and just crying. It oh is so God.
1: sad. It is really heartbreaking. Though also, I, I don't know. I don't know that I felt that that was a good email to send to Alice. It really
0: parents. wasn't. And I hope he didn't actually send it because he it does, was kind of like— He does. He
2: does. He sends it at the he end does, of the episode. Uh, is it the same right right email? He, yeah, he sends it right before he sees her. Um, and she's like, help me.
0: There's just like better ways to tell someone's parents that well, don't their you child guys, is dead.
2: I don't know if you guys saw the preview for next week, or but he, well, not the preview, but they they had a sneak peek, and he basically is like somehow back in Fillory with them, um, with Elliot and Margot, and he he says that he's gonna go to the the memorial service so and tell them what happened. Hmm. hmm. I don't know. So,
0: that.
2: We have that to look forward to, I guess. <laughs>
1: I hope that we get the telegram from Elliot. Which one? Any of them, honestly. Just
2: I was actually disappointed in the episode when, like, two episodes ago, or it was it last episode, no, it was last episode, where he he wakes up to the letter from Elliot, but it doesn't say anything about how, like, you are my family. Like, that's, like, one of my favorite Elliot, mm. like, lines in the whole series, and they didn't include it.
1: Oh, I love the, I love Quelyt. <laughs> i don't feel like that adds much to the conversation but i do
2: <laughs> i just i love when he was like i didn't think i needed family but you know you're my yes family. oh god like but that's why i was super disappointed when he actually read that letter that it was just kind of more like funny and humorous and i was just like mm,
1: yeah
0: maybe we'll get it later well
1: what do you think about elliot's storyline in this episode it
0: was the pregnancy sick. bunny was great
1: wait what was that yeah.
0: <laughs> the pregnancy bunny It sounded like it smoked a pack a day for the last 20 years, and that's all I could think about.
2: I saw something on Tumblr, and someone was just like, why do all of the animals in Fillory sound like they've been smoking, like, six packs a day (laughs) for, like, the last, like, six years?
1: I was wondering if anybody was, like, vocalizing those lines when they were recording, because, right, like, that... That's that's ADR. That's filled in later. Clearly, like the bunny is not actually speaking. <laughs> I was wondering, like, was somebody just standing on the sidelines going pregnant? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it was Arjun. I can just picture him being like pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> and them all like cracking up. <laughs> um, but yeah, what else? Like, what do you? This was this was like the first episode where I feel like we've really. Were well, we seen any personality from Fen?
2: Oh yeah, I was happy about the Fen twist because it made me think of you know the actual Warrior Fen.
1: Yes, uh, she was a warrior. Okay. She was a Foo Fighter.
2: <laughs> I-, I love when Margo's just like Foo Fighter. Excuse me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it reminded me too of um, the the line that she had in I guess it was the last episode. Uh, where they're, like, right at the beginning, and she goes, I know we're being serious here, but that surgeon has the biggest cock I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, Margot's inability to, to, like, stay serious in grave moments. I love it.
2: I also love... I, I lo- Margot always has those really funny, just...
1: Yeah, the one-liners. Moments.
2: Well, they all have one-liners that are just really great. Like, um, but sh- when she's just, like, we're the least snobby people in the room, like there's a problem here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Um Theo, what about you?
0: Um Elliot's storyline. Do you think he's I don't ready know how to be I a feel dad? About it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm worried.
2: I'm downright positive that it's it's not his baby.
0: You think Ooh, it's the food Fighters? I didn't even think about that.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh. it's the Foo fighter guys.
0: That would things- that would be good.
1: Well, one of the things that I noticed was that, um, at least at first, there was ambiguity for both of the pregnancies. Because, right, like, Julia said that she wasn't sure if it was Reynard's or Richard's. Um, and for Fen, right, like, she wasn't sure if it's Elliot's or... What is his name? Ba- Baylor, right?
0: Baylor? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of feeling, like, during that, not, I guess, big reveal scene with, with Fen and the dude... When he was like, I'm going to tell your husband about me. I'm like, I honestly don't know if Elliot would give a shit.
1: Yeah, I don't think he would. I think he'd just be like, okay, well, you can join.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would care. I, I think the only reason he would care is because she basically technically cheated, and that would get him out of the marriage.
1: Well, uh, yeah, or at least like give him a little more license to um, follow his interests, as it were.
0: I thought that the rules, keep, like keeping him in fillery and keeping him from sleeping with anyone else, was like a magic thing, not a morals thing.
1: I'm
2: not sure; they're not completely clear.
1: I think at least some of it is a magic thing.
2: She might have uh, stopped seeing the guy like before they actually got married. I
0: don't. But they don't also know. haven't been married for very long, so it's entirely possible that she's been pregnant since before they got married.
2: I always thought, like, the way that she, she wears all these really big dresses, and I think that that could be the case.
1: Well, and even so, right, like, if they've been married, let's let's assume that we're doing, like, the amount of time between each episode exempting the hiatus. They've been married for, like, six weeks, right?
0: Is it really I that, mean, that it, sort of
1: it's time? So
2: hard to tell what, what fillery time is versus Earth time.
1: That's true, but I do think, like, I do think it's about that. So she wouldn't really be showing yet, right? Like, this would just be, this would be the point at which you'd find out you're pregnant uh, with, like, a regular test. And I guess that's the, th- right, like, so she and Julia, I guess, have been pregnant about the same amount of time?
2: As long as they're on the same timeline. I mean, stuff with yeah. Julia could be happening completely different timeline. We wouldn't, we don't really that's know. That's true,
1: and it may not be, as mentioned, it may not be a normal human pregnancy, in which case, mystery how that works itself
0: out.
2: Well, generally in fiction, uh, when you get pregnant by something other than a human, it's, like, a rapid growth thing, so...
0: Yeah. I think it's a rapid growth thing, considering a normal baby would, like, not even have a brain, and yet the potentially Reynard baby was able to mind control two separate people. Do you think so, yeah, that, that was, was
1: mind f- control?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because it, like, froze time. Like, the the receptionist, like, was completely frozen when Katie, like, walks by her.
1: Okay, I don't think it's mind control. I'm gonna make an argument that I think it's, um, I think it's just some kind of magic that's on the fetus, period. Like...
2: It could just be protecting itself. Yeah,
1: exactly. Some kind of, like, self-defense. I don't think it's, like, I don't think the fetus is picking the magic. I think that comes from Renard. Mm, that's fair.
2: There's so many things that, like, we literally have, like, no answers for when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, so we should talk more about Julia's storyline. Danny, I know you have a lot of thoughts. I
2: do. Um
1: And you were expecting this one, right?
2: I I could sense it because of the way she so she like doubles over in pain cramping after it happens the like you know when Marina comes and saves her and helps her clean up. She, yeah. Like I I got a hint of it then because okay, so it's already there and She's doubling over in pain. That doesn't happen unless, you know, you're pregnant with some magical baby. <laughs> um, well,
1: maybe. I mean, I think that's I think that's a reasonable I think that's a reasonable thing to infer, but I also like I didn't read it that way. She just went through something really physically traumatic and emotionally traumatic. It
2: was the way she clutched her stomach though. Hmm. It was very like inferring like pregnancy.
0: Mhm. Also, the fact that they kept playing the rape scene or clips of it in the Ugh, the previews for every me episode. That so much. Yes, that makes me really angry. It. But also, in retrospect, that was a very huge hint that they were going somewhere with that and that it would be a pregnancy thing.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I just find it so, I don't know. I, I'm so frustrated by it. If that... <laughs> I I hate
2: pregnancy tropes so much. And, like, to do two of them in the same episode just, like, was overkill.
1: Well, I mean, I think you're right that, like, the show does have a tendency to, like, turn the tropes on their head. So maybe we'll see something more interesting than just the standard pregnancy trope. And, I mean, a way that I could think of it going, okay, so two theories. One, um, I'm still team Groot baby. Just for the record, if that baby doesn't come out as Groot, then I will be very disappointed. The other option for me is that it doesn't come out as a baby, that this is part of the transformation that Julia's going to undergo.
2: I'm hoping that's the case, Um, but it's hard to tell that that's what they want to do. I know that Stella has said in a few interviews that she does make her way back to Fillory um, before the season's end, and Uh, If they get a season three, she will be in Fillory a lot more. So I'm hoping that that has something to do with um, the Magician King and her transformation.
1: Theo, what about you?
0: You pretty much said my theory already. Wait, which one? So that it's like a metaphysical baby. or Mm -hmm. That's not the right word, is it? A metaphorical baby for her transformation.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that struck me, and I'll I'll play the clip after this, um, was... The the Julia Katie storyline is really about getting rid of Reynard, getting get Reynard out of their life in two different ways. Um, so I'm going to play the clip really quick and then let's talk about that a little bit more.
0: No, if we're going to talk about what we
1: did, then we have to call it what it is. It's stupid. It's so fucking stupid. It's the stupidest I've ever fucking been. Reynard set us up. Yeah, but I should have known better. You know, I knew the difference between magic and miracles. One is real, and one is alive with sparkles. (laughs) Like a nice female god was gonna glide
0: in and save us. Sounds so naive to ever believe in that. Look,
1: There is one way through this, and that is to find out what happened 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, and banish the
1: fuck out of Reynard. Yeah, so let's just get this pesky abortion out of the way, and that's next on the list. I know this is a straightforward procedure. It's probably You know, the simplest thing I've had to deal with in months. But I am nervous. I had one. He was a drummer. And he said he couldn't get it up with a condom. I before. I it, it, it felt, I it felt lonely. Yeah. But you're not alone. I'm your best bitch. Remember? <laughs> yeah. I really love their friendship. Everyone needs a friend like Katie.
2: Uh, I love their friendship uh, slash um, potential romantic <laughs> relationship. Um, I, I I love the very real conversation they have about abortion, regardless of if we dislike this storyline. I think it's really important for um, women to hear that you're not alone. And and um, <laughs> I, I also was just like, of course, Katie slept with someone in a band. <laughs> uh, but I, I love that, like the way she explains it, because like yeah, it's really matter of fact. So many, so many guys do that. They like make excuses, and and a lot of people fall for it. And
1: well, and it can be hard to make good decisions in a really passionate moment. It's even and even when you do right, like all sorts of things can happen, and then you do have situations exactly like Julia's. Right, like there's so many things that can happen to lead you to that moment. And I just, I really appreciated how, yeah, how matter of fact she was and just how empathetic. She seemed to know everything that Julia needed to hear.
2: I just like, it's a really hard thing to do regardless. And I think it was a really important conversation to have. Like even just calling your doctor and waiting for a really long time to get plan B is like a hard thing to do. So Just women's health conversations in general, I think, are like it was nice to hear it.
1: I liked that too about the scene with the doctor, um, where Julia tells her what she wants and the doctor says, Yep, we can do that for you. Just not questioning her judgment.
2: I also like that the doctor is just like, Well, I need to report something if it happened. Like, even though, like, obviously it will not help on Julia's level, um, but it just lets other people know that. That they can get reported.
1: Yeah, and I think she did a good job of making Julia feel safe despite the rest of what happened in the storyline. Um, also, yeah. it's Barry Allen's mom from
2: The Flash was oh, her wow.
1: daughter. Was <laughs> it really?
2: Yeah, it was Barry's mom.
0: Wow, I did not even recognize her.
2: If you rewatch it again, you, you'll totally see it and just be like, Whoa. okay.
1: So Theo, you haven't been on before. So, what do you think of what do you think is going on between Julia and Katie?
0: I mean, honestly, did you guys see that interview they did during the hiatus where they were like very blatantly hinting that they would get together? Because I saw that and started shipping them immediately.
2: <laughs> I, mean, um, I saw that one but like the way that they went about it almost seemed like they were just kind of fucking with people yeah, true. but then but then when uh when Jade did the AMA she also said something about how she only wanted them to get together if it could really like be a good storyline for the community yeah and not just for fun yeah it had to
1: be responsible yeah. I really appreciated that of, of all the storylines in there I think you were saying Theo that Quentin's was um, the one that was your favorite. I think this one resonated with me most. I really liked both, both of the sort of heavier storylines. But I, I, I love, I really do. I just love the relationship between Julia and Katie. I think they're both such incredible actors and they have a, a really great chemistry with each other whatever that gets interpreted as or whatever you interpret that as, you know, that's up to you. But I think they have a really fantastic chemistry.
0: They do. I really wish I could enjoy their scenes together more because like, they're so amazing and I love watching them interact, but I can't handle the subject matter for very long. So it's like, it's stressful. Yeah. To watch.
1: Julia's life is really hard, which I think is like the (laughs) understatement of the year. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know that Julia needs to be in a bad place for her storyline to like happen and for her to get better. But at the same time, it's like, I just want her to be happy. Just yeah, let her be happy for through through once.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's just like when I, it's like, she went through so much and it's just like, she, it's like in the books, it would, it never got that dark for her afterwards. No. So I, like I'm saying, I'm hoping that it is just like a, like a, metaphysical baby or whatever i i'm hoping that it's a
1: facade yeah i hope so too let's move on there's two other storylines i want to discuss there's the penny mayakovsky one and i guess we talked a little bit about the elliot fen one but um maybe we can get into that a little bit more what did you guys think of these ones
0: the penny storyline just it was there (laughs) <laughs> like it was it just happened, but it wasn't really a thing, you know? Like yeah. it was it was nice to get a hint of what we knew about Mayakovsky from the books and his whole battery thing, but also it was like it was just the timing of when the scenes were happening it was just like, okay, this exists. Can we go back to everything else now?
2: I like that they were like, uh, we need to keep Penny important, so we're gonna give him one of Quentin's storylines.
1: <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about this a lot because right like a, a lot of that so I, I was trying to remember and maybe Danny you remember better. Um Quentin comes up with the idea of this magic battery, but then in the books, spoiler alert <laughs> So uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, just the
2: the whole on-off relationship with Penny and his hands is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, it never happens in the books, but it's just really funny because it's like, is he going to end up having to get like the weird hands anyways?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I really hope we get to see that, though I understand that, that, is, that that's expensive from a uh, CG budget. <laughs> So one thing that I felt in this episode was Penny and Mayakovsky seemed very similar to me in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, and I think this, this maybe speaks to what you were saying about like it being one of Quentin's storylines. In the books, I feel like more is made out of the similarity between Mayakovsky and Quentin. That like Mayakovsky is yeah. basically like the bitter old version.
2: Yeah, what, what Quentin could become if he, like, didn't check himself.
1: Yeah, like, Maikovsky and Martin and all of... There's, there's all of these, like, fake father figures or people that, like, men that... Or gods Ember, too, that, like, Quentin looks up to that just kind of fail him in a lot of ways. And it's interesting to see those get distributed to other characters in the show.
0: Yeah. Didn't Lev or someone say something... About the book versions of them, at least of uh, about Quentin and Penny, basically being the same too, because that would make Penny getting some Quentin storylines make make sense. They're like that the same, structure they're, like, weird. they're like they're
2: uh, like the different sides of the same
0: coin. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what exactly. I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Um, Which is
1: why I think they have such like such a weird broship. Like they, it's why they hate each other, and why I think they. Need each other.
2: Hey, hey Penny yes. was, seemed Penny seemed very concerned when uh when they were when Fog was like, oh, I can send you where I sent Quentin. He's like, where's Quentin? Like, <laughs> I thought
1: one thing I th- I thought I noticed about that was like it was only a few episodes that we had. Where's Penny? Yeah, like when he was stuck in the in the like transitional traveling phase. Hmm. I think it was only one episode that he was kind of. He wasn't even
2: MIA. I just was like, "Why is no one asking where Quentin is?" Like, in
1: the <laughs> <office>? <laughs> well, I wonder if I mean I don't know. Do you think that they don't know? Maybe Penny told them before he left.
2: I mean, Penny probably is like, "Hey, like Quentin's not around anymore. I woke up and he's gone." But like, Penny doesn't know either because he was passed out. Like, what happened to Quentin?
0: That's it's possible was he, passed that out or was he and just Marco. Passed out.
2: No, she passes him out. She like oh. does that thing and like makes him go to sleep.
1: She just spell I thought she just made him stop talking, but it, it was very dark in my copy, so
2: I think she puts him out just that spell is also what Marina does to someone to make them go to sleep. So I mm-hmm, assume okay. sleeping.
1: Theo, you were gonna say something.
0: Yeah, it's possible that Elliot and Margot still think that he's at the uh Centaur healing place.
1: That's oh, true. that's true.
0: Because I don't but the think thing Penny's is, is, um, gone to talk to them yet.
1: I don't
2: know what's... They They make it fuzzy, like, where people are at in the timeline. Because Margo goes back to break yet again, like, during that, that time. So I'm just like, I feel like she should know because someone would have told her.
1: You know, they talk about how, like, the time stuff can be different, but it's sort of variable between um, Fillory and Earth. And I feel like it's just been the same so far, which is a little...
2: I feel like they abused the ability to like leave Fillory like too much.
1: Yeah, I I think I mean I think that they've just been going back and forth too much, which is maybe what you're saying.
2: Yeah, like Margot keeps going back and forth with the button and I'm just like that cannot be good for like time itself.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, and it can't be good for Margot. Margot Janet in the books did not have a great relationship with coming through those fountains. She
2: didn't, but they didn't include that at all. So
0: yeah. I kind of wish they had Yeah, I I liked that.
2: I liked that too. That she was like, she's like the strongest person, but yet for some reason in the Netherlands, she's so vulnerable. It's like almost like that vulnerable part of her is like, wait, it's like really exposed there.
1: Well, for me, I thought like, I thought I always sort of felt like that was partly because she's so strong that like her strength comes from or her, her perceived strength comes from the fact that she's not very in touch with her emotions. And Fillory is such a, pure place, and I think the Netherlands has a lot of that quality too, Um right? like The Netherlands is kind of like an apathetic place, though. I guess that's true. But I don't know, I mean, I guess I felt like, right, like, these places are so much more magical than Earth, like, both the Netherlands and Fillory are more magical than Earth, and if magic is supposed to come from emotions and from pain, right, like, maybe it puts you more in touch with your pain and your emotions. That might also... I mean, I, I think it would be hard to tell, but the scene in the book where um, Quentin and Alice come through for the first time and they immediately start fighting, right? Like, there's a lot of reasons why they would be fighting, but maybe the reason that they actually fight immediately has something to do with the sort of intensity of magic and the relationship to the intensity of emotion.
2: Maybe. Questions to ask love in the future.
0: Oh. <laughs> Was um. that scene... Wasn't there a scene... In I can't remember if it was the book or the show, but when Alice and Quentin were fighting and they like completely wandered off and got lost. That was in because the book. Yeah. they were, yeah. That was, yeah, they were just like so intense and it was definitely the energy because of the Netherlands. So that was because happening. in the sh-
2: yeah, because in the show Quentin is literally only in the Netherlands for like two seconds and then gets pushed back in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I like that in the books, in that in that scene that you're talking about, Theo, right, like Penny saves their asses, which is kind of a theme in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Penny Penny's saving everybody. Always ass.
2: saving everybody's ass.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay, let's move on to fashion. Um so a couple things. One, I I know that like Arjun told us to expect it, but you I'm seeing more and more of that like grand, gorgeous royal. Um, attire from Margot and Elliot, and I love it. Margot's outfits especially.
2: Yeah, Margot's always looks amazing. Her hair always looks perfect. It's, it's insane, because I feel like she even looks more perfect now as a queen than she did before.
1: <laughs> Which is hard to imagine, because she was pretty much always perfect. But, like, there there were a couple of things that I noticed in this episode. So there's there's one outfit that is, I guess I would call it more understated, that's just kind of, like, black and lace, kind of like one of the ones in the last episode. Um, but then she has this, this one that has, like, these big shoulder pads and ruffles and, and looks sort of 80s, but it looks amazing on her. Like, on anyone else, I feel like it would look cheesy, but she pulls it off amazingly well.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they go through, like, a bunch of outfits that are like, okay, this doesn't work. And...
1: Yeah. And you were noticing earlier, Danny, that, that Finn is wearing these sort of, like, drapey, flowy dresses a lot. Did you yeah. notice anything about that in this episode?
2: kind of, like... Not even necessarily, fl- like, flowy, too. Like, she wears these things that are, like, super intense in the belly. Like, it's, like, trying to hide something or conceal it. Like, whether there's, like, these intense, like, knots or, like, like
1: designs in the middle. But it is, like,
0: they're generally bigger.
1: Hmm. Theo, anything you noticed fashion-wise?
0: I'm going to be real with you. The only outfit I remember is the quote-unquote outfit of Quentin wearing nothing.
2: also i mean if we're talking about fashion we have to talk about his man bun and how long we've been waiting for this
1: yes it
0: was so cute
1: the only thing that could have made it better is if it was a white hair man bun
0: true
2: (laughs) true i i loved i loved his hair um i always love his hair though and him wearing a suit, was, it, it did it for me. It he looks good. really
1: good in a suit. It was a good suit on him, too. Yep. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, that business attire, it has some. The, the, there are things to say for it.
2: <laughs> Sometimes. Some people look really good in it.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's one thing that I really wanted to talk about in the like negative column, which was, there's some like weird scarf thing that Elliot is wearing at one point. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Elliot had some weirder, like, Outfits in this episode. <laughs> I that like, like,
0: like shirt in general, <laughs> like what was going on with that shirt? The
2: one that looks kind of like a like like. A, it was just
0: like sticking out from his body with the giant <laughs> collar. I was like, what? What is he wearing? And
1: there, and I think like when he gets in the fight with Baylor or whatever, right? Like his jacket or whatever comes off, and there's no sleeves in that weird shirt either. <laughs> it's just like this weird gold half toga thing
2: yeah
1: um, I do like though I think that like Elliot's outfits have been getting more outlandish and more outrageous, and I kind of love that because I think they're becoming more expressions of his personality. like he's sort of figuring out who he is as king and not just he's settling into the role and making it his own, and I feel like his fashion is reflecting that
0: that's fair, but also he's making some weird ass fashion choices. Yeah, but I feel
1: like, I feel like you expect that from Elliot, right? Like he's, he is very, what was the word that you said cat used, Danny Bombastic? Yeah, very bombastic. And part of that is, is being over the top, I think.
2: Over the top doesn't necessarily always mean that they're good choices.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Also, I feel bad for Olivia having to come back and yet again wear like the same destroyed dress.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, at first she was not wearing anything. True. But yeah, the same dress. At least it was destroyed. Maybe I hope that she got to take part in that. After she was so sick of it.
2: <laughs> She's so sick of her outfits. She like wore like the same outfits for like three or four like episodes at a time.
1: <laughs> Maybe they're doing it just to just to uh, get at her now. I just feel like you're gonna be wearing yeah. this forever. So you always noticed Julia's outfits, Danny. Was there anything you noticed about? what she was wearing in this episode?
2: Not really. Uh, she was wearing just, like, really basic outfits, I think, this time, but her hair looked beautiful.
1: Yeah. Her hair is always amazing. I you know. I want
2: it. <laughs> K- Katie is, like, this very, like, like she looks like she shops at H&M.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like that wasn't true at first, though. Right? Like, in the first season, her outfits were much more, like, the female version of um, Penny, of Penny She's very punk. Yeah, except for the one she was episode. More, she was more punk than Penny was. She was. And I think that's still true a lot in like a lot of her attitude, but Well, she took out all her piercings. Oh, I didn't notice that. When did that happen?
2: Sometime last season, like uh after like the break bill south, I think. I think they took out her piercings for break bill south, kind of like how Penny did yeah, like they took- her jewelry.
1: Oh. So, it probably closed up. And so hers aren't back. That's really interesting.
2: Well, that shit closes up pretty quickly. If they, like, make you take out a piercing and you don't have it in for, like, two or three days, like, it'll it'll close up.
1: That's fair, but I I guess I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, um, Arjun told us that they they got rid of all of Penny's jewelry and then he got, like, one new piece later when he's sort of starting to recover from it. I'm going to have to pay attention and see if there's anything that, that Katie has now i mean i guess she has the best bitches um locket yeah maybe that's that's her recovery i guess that would make sense right like she wouldn't really recover before dealing with the. well
2: she's had so much going on i don't think she has time to really like go get her shit
1: repierced yeah (laughs) next is mvp so anything else about the episode that we need to touch on anything we missed
0: i don't know the only thing i can think of is abigail the sauce terrible voice
1: oh my god Uh, i I totally forgot about abigail (laughs)
0: I'm yep. liking that we're getting her in every episode now.
1: <laughs> I liked that she was sadistic.
2: <laughs> I like that she's like a like a weird, like, advisor for... Yes. They just keep wheeling her in, like... <laughs> what what do they call her? Her slowness or something like that?
0: Yeah, her yeah. slowness.
2: <laughs> I really enjoyed I died that. when I heard that.
1: <laughs> um, I'm still very proud of my pun. She's a psycho-slothic animal. it's really bad right it's it's waffly
2: punny (laughs) you you always have a terrible pun like every episode that you come up with (laughs)
1: this is this is my lot in life this is this is my job right like my job is to come up with terrible puns and and keep everyone else talking (laughs) um okay uh mvp ready um, Quentin. Okay. Always so You gotta Quentin. tell us why. Gotta give a justification so that we can... He
0: was so sad and beautiful. That's <laughs> literally the only reason I loved him.
1: <laughs> he has really good puppy eyes in this episode. He
0: does.
1: Oh, when he looked at Alice, or well, not Alice, but like... When he
0: oh, that her. scene made me cry. And,
1: and the, yeah, I, I found that to be so touching, especially because, like, it took me a couple of views to actually hear what he said, but... Emily says to him, "Like, is there anything you want to say to her?" And he says, "Um, it's just so fucking good to see you." And I thought about that, like, on so many levels, right? Like, it, he's seeing her, he's seeing Alice, but it's not her, right? And mm-hmm. so it gives him this, like, this visible reminder, but it's it's still fake. It's not. It this isn't
0: Alice.
2: I just need to hear Quentin say that he doesn't want to live in a a world without Alice Quinn.
0: Oh, oh! That would be too much for my tiny gay heart.
2: <laughs> I, but like the his foot, way, his face breaks uh, when he sees her, and and how he immediately hugs her rather than like tries to kiss her or something. You know, it's just like that's when you know, I know. how much he really loves her, and it's not just like oh. I don't know. I I also agree with you. I think uh, Jason Ralph is the MVP.
1: All right, i I thought about it a long time. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I thought Jason did a great job. um but for me, I, I she's she's been getting runner up for a lot of episodes for me so far, and this one, it's Jade who takes it for me. Jade is Katie. I think she did she did such a good job with every scene that she had. I really felt like like she was stealing them, right? you're ha- You're watching these intense conversations, and I just couldn't take my eyes off her. I
2: feel
1: like you just have an intense crush on Jade Taylor. I might. She's not my normal type, but I, you know, I I think I do though. I really like the character and I think she does a fantastic job with it. And especially given some of the things we talked about, right? Like this was not, this was not supposed to be a recurring character. This was, she was really supposed to be Amanda Orloff. She was supposed to show up and die and that was going to be the end of it. But she's, I think I think she's stayed in part because she's, she does that because she steals so many scenes. She's really, she really does a fantastic job of conveying what I think are very complex and nuanced stories and, um, really just like a lot of emotion in a way that I think is really interesting. Katie is not an emotional creature in like the way that Quentin is right. Or, um, the way that Elliot is, even, right? Like, she's emotional in a very reserved way. And I like that she can convey a lot of emotion while still being matter of fact and a lot of empathy. So, I don't know. That's why she's my MVP this episode.
2: I mean, like, if I had to give a secondary MVP, like, I would still choose Stella because handling those scenes are really difficult.
1: She was probably my second up. I, I mean, I really liked Jason, but I also... I, I think that I liked him less than I have in some of the other recent episodes. That, that scene that we talked about, the scene in the shower, was, was a fantastic scene. And I think really showcased all of the wonderful things we've seen him do in the last few episodes. But a lot of the rest of it didn't feel like it was as anything intense.
2: Where, anything where Quentin has anything to do with Alice, it's, it's, yeah. he shines
1: yeah Ugh. (laughs) um okay episode rating (sighs) danny you go first
2: um i think i'm gonna have to go with like a six out of ten yeah yeah it it's definitely an episode that i'm not excited to show other people or it's like maybe i'll get over it in the the long run um but for now, I, I don't see myself really, like, jonesing to be re-watching it. It's it's yeah. a little too heartbreaking, and then the other scenes are a
1: little too filler. Yeah, fillery. <laughs> <laughs> two puns, two puns. I've reused that one, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, I really feel you on that. This was not... This was, this was probably my least favorite episode of the season so far, and I, I'm... I think it's my least favorite memory. episode of the whole series so far oh really okay well yeah. we'll have to talk about that a little bit more I, I also was gonna give it a six um but yeah tell me why it's your least favorite of the series
2: i I don't know like it honestly just like like Theo said earlier during like the Julia stuff it was like hard to to keep watching because it was so painful um disassociating like I, I have that problem sometimes too and it was hard to watch I just like the, the other two storylines were just too fucking filler to care. And I, I don't think we've ever had an episode that was just that, like, had that much filler. And yeah. the only other episode that I think I dislike on about the same level is probably the third episode of the first season.
1: That's the one. So we talked about that one, but that's the one with, uh, where Quentin, like, Starts lecturing Julia,
2: yeah, about how she
1: so. like she doesn't need to be no, given everything. No, 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 I take
2: it back. Uh, I take it back. The se- the one from season one that I really hate, is, which we haven't discussed in the podcast yet, is uh the Welters tournament episode. I really hate that episode.
1: Oh, uh, I don't even remember that one very well. All I remember is the outfits, and I did like the outfits, but
0: <laughs> the outfits were like, really the good, outfits. Only
2: good thing about that um, episode. <laughs> but I really hate that episode because of the fact that they. Really fucked up Quentin's character for an episode.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, Theo, what's your rating?
0: Okay, so while you guys were talking, I was sitting here like, I can't, I couldn't decide a full episode rating, so I decided to rate all of them, all the storylines separately and then average them together. So the average is a seven. My, my, the Quentin storyline gets a nine because he's my beautiful, sad baby. Uh, (laughs) The, Penny storyline gets a six because it was bad and it was yeah. boring. Uh, and then the, the the Elliot and Julia storylines get a seven because of separate reasons, but basically they weren't my favorite. So that, according to the internet, equals a 7.25. So that's <laughs> what I'm reading it.
1: I like your system. It's a good way to break <laughs> <write> it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's one thing I wanted to mention that I was thinking about when Danny was talking too, which is um, I just I really didn't like the horror component of Julia's storyline, and I think that that's something that I feel in general. Like when this when the show takes a sort of horror turn, I don't like it that much. I think I'm in the minority in that I didn't really like the um, the um, haunted house episode. What? That's like the best episode of the whole series. Oh. I don't agree. I mean the thing is like I think there are a lot of good stories with it, but I just I'm not into horror as a genre. And uh, so well then yeah. I love horror
2: as a genre and I think that they did it so well, like but we'll talk about that when we talk about that episode. Okay. That's the one that Killy that's the one that, Kill- <laughs> the one that Kill- is gonna come on for. But <laughs> I adore that episode, but I also adore American horror story and it had that vibe, so
0: it did have an AHS vibe.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what I can't stop thinking about though? Mm-hmm. I can't stop thinking about Katie's outfit from the Welter's tournament, though, because you guys mentioned it, and now I'm like, it was so good. Oh, maybe I do have a
1: crush on Katie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Katie, (laughs) Katie looks so hot in that episode, but like, so did uh, Elliot. Like, Elliot's just uh, oh my god, they all look so amazing in their Welter's like outfits.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, for those of you just tuning in, this has been the crushing on magicians characters. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's hard to come out not having a crush on the entire cast
1: yeah they were all falling in love with each other <laughs> what is that line from the book do you know the one i'm talking about he said the one where all the physical kids fell in love with each other
2: um that they all yeah. kind of like were in relationship with one another
1: <laughs> okay i i'm breaking my own rule in typing but i have to i have to look it up okay i'm gonna read it dramatic reading Quentin felt like all the physical kids were falling in love with each other, not just him and Alice, or at least with who they were when they were around each other. In the mornings, they slept late. In the afternoons, they played pool and uh, boated on the Hudson and interpreted each other's dreams and debated meaningless points of magical technique. They discussed the varying intensities and timbres of their hangovers. There was an ongoing competition, hotly contested, as to who would make the single most boring observation.
2: (laughs) I love it Um, that's like the one thing that I really miss from the books is just the physical kid relationship Um, you don't get to build it but they also you know they they were in this cottage for four years just them Um, and it really is there was a lot of intensity to their friendship I love them and I'm you know since I'm rereading The Magician King I'm just like reacquainting myself with Josh and I'm just like man I really miss Josh me too
1: he was like, for me, he was weirdly, the, he was like the weird glue that held everyone together. They took him for granted so much.
2: Yeah. Like, Quentin makes all these stray observations about how amazing of a magician he is now that he's been away from them.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's weird to see them having their group and not, ha- and not being held together by Josh. But I don't know, maybe that's the role Penny's playing since he's around for more of it.
2: I also True. love Josh's whole storyline about how he went to, like, all these different fountains and, like... The I Teletubby. Love the Teletubbies are real. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Quentin also has to ask him if he fucked a, a Teletubby. And he's like, no, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay, I think that's a good note to end on. So thank you, Theo, for joining us. Thank you everyone who is here for this episode, listening to us and supporting this podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate us on iTunes if you can. We like five-star ratings uh, and I don't know, who knows? If you, give us, if you give us a rating this week, maybe we'll do something special for you on the podcast next week. Um, see you then. Bye. Bye. Theo, say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Mind slot.
0: My tiny son. <laughs> the Delaware's <teletubbies> are real! <laughs>